Welcome to Grad Life by the Horns, the bi-weekly podcast covering all things grad life. Hosted by me, Becky Hills. And me, Sophie Scully. Hello and welcome back to series four of Grad Life by the Horns. It's been a little while since we've been in your podcast feeds, but we're so excited to be back today with a brand new episode. Before we get started, I should probably address the elephant in the room, which is why we've been away for so long. Soph and I started this podcast in September 2019, just two months after I graduated from uni and a year into grad life for Sophie. We were really in the throes of the graduate wasteland, trying to find our feet in new jobs, navigating new living situations, stressing about money, dating, relationships and everything in between. However, the pandemic, as it has with so many people, hit our mental health hard and with increased workloads and myriad personal struggles, this podcast had to take a backseat. Now we're moving into a world where our graduate experiences are almost products of a bygone age. Current students and graduates are entering the world that COVID has shaped and we just can't relate on the same level to those that have graduated into a pandemic. It feels almost disingenuous and patronising to sit here as two white middle-class women with stable jobs and a few years work experience under our belts and wax lyrical about graduate life when those who've graduated afterwards are dealing with a pandemic on top of everything else that we went through. So after much deliberation, we've decided to make this series of Grad Life by the Horns our last. We'll be chatting about this in more detail during our series finale, but we just wanted to let you know what's been going on. However, this doesn't mean that this series will be any less brilliant than those that have gone before, and we're thrilled to be kicking off our final series with two wonderful guests. For regular listeners, the name Akil Shah may ring a bell. Akil appeared in series two, and his episode remains one of our most popular to date. In this episode, however, he's joined by his business partner and former colleague at St. James's Place, Raheem Mirza. Akil and Raheem founded men's skincare brand Ra in 2020, and it is quickly becoming a household name. Ra has been featured in GQ and encourages men to face the day by taking some time to nourish their skin and look after their mental health in the process. Alongside Ra, Raheem is a responsible investing graduate at St. James's Place, and Akil is now a corporate finance executive at Arden Partners. In this episode, we discuss how graduates can begin investing, where Ra is as much about skincare as it is about men's mental health, and how Akil and Raheem have navigated becoming business owners during a pandemic. So, without further ado, let's get into the episode. And welcome back to Grad Life by the Horns. Today we are joined by Raheem and Akil. Hey guys, how are you both doing? I'm good, thank you. And it's really good to obviously be back on the, the podcast. I'm very excited for today. Yeah, and, and thanks for having me on for the first time. No worries, I'm really excited to chat to you both today. So the way that we start every podcast is by asking two questions. And we'll start off with, with you, Akil. What's gone wrong in your week recently? <laughs> So that's that's interesting. Um, I think I've made a career change and now work in investment banking. So there's a lot that can go wrong, um, and most of it's with either numbers or uh, legal documents. So luckily, nothing too bad. Um, but at nine o'clock yesterday, I spotted a couple of uh, grammar issues and typos uh, in a, an announcement that had to be released to the market today. So. Luckily, I spotted them, but um, yeah, other than that, I can't say anything's gone gone wrong just because every day's basically the same. <laughs> oh, the joys of lockdown. And for you, Raheem, has anything gone wrong with you recently? Uh, I mean, no- nothing as uh, dramatic or serious as, as Akil's. I mean, what's gone wrong? I don't know if you've ever had breakfast and you've not checked the milk to see if it's in date and you've poured it in. And you've taken a spoon of cereal. Oh, the classic. Absolutely yeah. classic. Yeah. And that I think has been probably the, the lowest of my week. Um, because it was completely avoidable. Um, so as I said, nothing as serious as a kill, but yeah, that that's what's gone wrong. So I'm I'm feeling pretty lucky actually that's been the worst thing to have happened to me. <laughs> uh this is why you drink you swear you go vegan and you drink you drink plant-based milks because then you have less that's less likely to happen. <laughs> um and then the second question that we ask is what's going on in your life at the moment, aside from the the myriad joys of lockdown? What is going on? Luckily for me, my life isn't too much different. Uh I'm still 
unable to have a social life because I'm revising. So actually, it sounds a bit sad and a bit horrible, but there's a silver lining that we're in lockdown because everyone else has the same social life that I do. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there is definitely you've got to find the silver linings where you can at the moment. I think any positivity that can be gleaned from this period, the better. Um, uh, and Rahim, exactly. what's, what's going on in your life at the moment? Yeah, I, th- I think for me, it's, it's business as usual, to be honest. Um, you know, what's, what's going pretty well at the minute is that unlike Akil, I'm not having to do 12 hour days, which is nice to have a bit of time to sort of just reflect. Um I mean, obviously we had a bit of snow, although I didn't play in it. It was quite nice to see from from the warmth of inside. Um, so yeah, that's, it's been an okay week, all in all. Oh, that's great to hear. So obviously for those who haven't listened to the podcast before, you won't know, but we've had Akil on the podcast before, um, pre-lockdown in those glorious days last year. Um, and, and so we already have a bit of an idea, Sophie and I, of, of your background and, and what your kind of thoughts are on graduate life and that sort of stuff. But to to take both of your careers and and almost your lives back to back to the start and look at what you did um kind of at school at university to get you to where you are today would you both mind giving us um a, a bit of an insight into how to you got to where you are today who you are and what you do should we start off with you Raheem sure um so look my, my background is pretty you know un, un uninspiring in that you know, went through a pretty regular school life, um, went to university and, and I did a science degree called biomaterial science, um, had a laugh for most of it. In the third year, got a bit more serious about it. Um, and through the course of doing that degree, I started to realise actually this perhaps isn't what I thought it was going to be or perhaps I didn't think this was the lifestyle I was going to lead. Um mainly because careers in science, in fact, most science-based jobs are pretty impersonal. There's not really, or especially at the point I was at, you don't really see the end result. So I then transitioned and, and applied for jobs in finance and was pretty lucky to get a position at uh, St. James's Place, which is where I fortunately ended up meeting meeting Akil. Was that um, fortunately or unfortunately? I think I misheard. <laughs> I mean, I think you've heard what you may have heard. Um, well, for the purposes of this podcast, we'll go with fortunately. <laughs> Thank you, Raheem. And what about you, Akil? Do you want to give us a little headline of what um, your university and uh, immediate post-university was like? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think, so for me, it was uh, two politics degrees because um, quite frankly, when I was 20, 21, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, and like Raheem, I found myself at St. James's Place where I was on the graduate scheme, um, transitioned into a role there in corporate finance. And as of November last year, I'm now working in investment banking for uh, a mid-market boutique firm um, and still carrying on with with everything else in, in terms of professional qualifications. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a journey uh, and I think it's definitely been fortunate that I started at SJP and, and met Raheem. Um, and it's been great uh, to, yeah, have, have started something pretty exciting with him as well. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, guys. Really appreciate it. And before we get into like the post-university stuff that you've done, because you, you've both been what I think most people will say, like incredibly productive and you've got such a breadth of experience un- under your belt. What would you say was like, if you could, what was your biggest takeaway from university? Shall I, shall I go first? Because I, I left university more more recently, um, not to give away Akil's age. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I think the, big, the biggest takeaway for me was, was this, this kind of philosophy of, I'm always going to get the job done. And this was more like a panic management type approach because I remember, and I'm sure other people have been in the similar position where, you know, it's coming up to the end of the semester and you've got an exam and you've got three bits of coursework and you're thinking, how on earth am I going to do all of this? But some way, somehow, you always find a way to get it done, right? And that's our kind of philosophy which is kept with me. So in work, when I'm getting stressed or feeling like, oh no, the pressure's too much, I kind of think back to some of those tough semesters and thinking, hang on a second, I managed to get it done. You know, I never got to a position where I was like, actually, I'm just not going to do 
this bit of coursework or whatever. Um, and at times, obviously, when you're young, you may not make the best decisions in terms of, oh, I've really got to do this coursework, but also it's sports night. Um, but, you know, you, you somehow find a way to balance both. So that's probably been my, my biggest takeaway from university itself. And I've tried to keep that going forward. Um, but hopefully I make sort of better decisions and prioritize my time better now than I did back then. I, th- I think for me, um, slightly different. It's just go and do what you enjoy. Um, and it's the best piece of advice I've ever received. Um, just because if you do what you enjoy, you naturally flourish and, and you do well. Um, and I think far too often, particularly as a graduate, you're pushed into thinking that certain career types or certain jobs are better than others because of what they pay or, you know, where you, where you're based. Um, and actually a lot of the time you end up doing something that makes you miserable from you know Monday to Friday and, and you can't wait to escape to a weekend. So for me, it's, yeah, do what you enjoy. And, and I think that philosophy stuck with me um, very much till today. I think both these answers are great and offer such like different perspectives on on the post uni experience. I mean, especially with the the kind of always going to get the job done idea. I'd never thought of it like that, but I remember being kind of in our uni library and thinking to myself, "Oh God, my dissertation's due in a week's time, and I'm way behind schedule." But in the back of my mind, I was like, "Well, you're going to get it done, so you might as well calm down." And it's it's good to hear it kind of vocalized in that way in a in a work environment as well because I don't think many people ever think of it like that and and also kind of going and doing what you enjoy I think that is the most important piece of advice anybody can have when it comes to picking your careers because I think so often especially and we'll go on to talk about this with you both working in in kind of the financial sector is that you're often guided towards being like I've got to go where the money is and I in the kind of the passionate side of it always kind of fall, falls behind and that's where you end up doing your side hustles perhaps in later on in your careers and on the subject of, of side hustles you both um, obviously started off in finance and both still work in, in the financial sector but you've also gone on to create a brand alongside what you're doing which is Ra, which is a, a men's skincare brand. Would you mind telling us how the impetus for Ra came about and whether or not that was almost a result of going into careers that are so intense and and kind of almost not academic but focused on things that are traditional post-uni careers was it something that came from wanting to ignite that kind of creative passion in yourself post-uni yeah I think Becky I mean you've hit the nail on the head there in that you know Akil and I work in pretty straight-laced industries um and it was almost a point of trying to balance you know what is something that we do every day that perhaps we don't give the attention to and you know I initially came up with this concept of actually making skincare more of a more of a ritual more of something to look forward to and approached Akil because obviously we we were both close friends at the time and saying I think there's a gap here because actually when it comes to men's skincare specifically you don't really feel proud of the products you own it's more a case of well I'll just get this four pound tube of whatever stick some of it on and hope that my skin looks a little bit better so that was you know kind of the initial birth concept if you like but I think where we tried to solve a problem was more in that actually when it comes to skincare right nine out of ten guys if you ask them would you rather have a spot or not have the spot most would say they'd rather not have the spot um and then when it comes to like our skin specifically typically what would happen is you'd end up having a breakout when you least want it, right? So whether you've got an event coming up or you're going to go and see friends, that's always when it would come in. So we thought there must be a way to take control of this. And through the process of researching products and looking at the industry more generally, we thought, actually, we need to move away from kind of this apathetic approach to skincare and let it be something that you can really feel proud about and take control of. Because if you take control of your skin and your appearance more generally as an extension of that, you really feel like actually I can I can go out and do whatever I want to do, so that's how we came up with this concept of you know let's make a let's make a skincare brand that actually guys really want to get behind and this concept of Ra, it's it's named after the Egyptian god of the sun and in mythology he represents rebirth and it's this idea of that you know you may have had a horrible Thursday, but you know come Friday you're reborn you know when you go into that bathroom and you you go through your skincare regime, that's your moment of rebirth. Um, so that's, that's where it came from on, on my end. I mean, Akira, 
is there anything to add on that? Yeah, I think, I mean, when Raheem told me about Ra, I think what was so interesting for me was I am someone that uses skincare quite religiously, um, you know, both to look good, but also from a, a mental health perspective. I think the other thing that perhaps worth mentioning is we both work in financial services and, you know, the hours can get quite long. And so having 30 seconds to yourself in a day, just to put on some, whether it's exfoliator, moisturizer, vitamin C serum, it just gives you that time to not have to think about work or all the other stresses that we all face on a day-to-day basis. Um, And I think the final thing is what we realized was men basically have one of two choices at the moment. There's either the very cheap options that Raheem mentioned, or it's products that you don't really need that often burn a hole through your wallet. And I think especially now with lockdown persisting and, you know, a lot of uncertainty around income, we just feel like why can't men have really affordable uh, skincare that's also luxurious, that makes you feel good? And I think that leads me on to my final point, which Raheem and I are very passionate about, which is the mental health aspects of things. Uh, you know, we live in an era, particularly now with lockdown, where things like dating are, you know, happening much more online. Um, and actually, we're so glued to, to our technology, we're so glued to all the things that can cause negativity in our lives. Um, we wanted to create a brand that spoke about mental health in a really positive light. And, and I think our message is we want to help, you know, one million men face the day. Uh, and by that, we just mean we want to help as many men as possible, ideally a million, ideally more, just feel comfortable in being who they are. Um, you know, and we want to help them look good, but just as importantly, we want them to help them feel good. Um, and I think, you know, that's why, even though it's, you know, an additional however many hours a week for Raheem and I, we really love what we do um, and we really believe in what we do as well. It's so interesting to hear that and from both of you as well. And I think a question, a good question to ask is like around the stigma that's with men and um, beauty and taking care of yourself. And do you think that, you know, having the men face the day kind of helps break down that stigma? Like what have you in your market research, what have you found to be the biggest thing that stops men from talking openly about skincare? So, I th- and and this is, a pro- I suppose, one of the great mysteries in that when it comes down to it, why men, you know, disassociate with skincare is because they believe anything which is sort of near the face is, is makeup and they see it as unnecessary. Um, but a couple of years ago, I'm sure you would have seen men's hair care and, and male grooming absolutely exploded right so you had sort of this beard generation and then you had you know more stylish haircuts coming into play so there's a there's an interesting conversation here that actually are modern men becoming more comfortable with looking after their appearance the answer is yes because you know they're buying hair wax and whatever else but for some reason it, it stops at that point so guys will buy perfume they will buy hair care they will buy beard oils but they won't get into skincare and it's because it's so they feel it's so heavily anchored to to makeup, which has obviously historically been been female. Um, but what what is really interesting in that is actually, you know, years ago, men also wore makeup. So you know, if you bring it back to sort of this Egyptian kind of era, this ancient Egyptian era, you know, the pharaohs and and the highest ranking nobles in ancient Egypt would wear natural makeups just because it was a case of actually presenting themselves outwardly. So. You know, that, that's the position we're in right now where, you know, it was almost confusing for us as to why are men not getting involved in skincare? Because ultimately, you know, comes back to what I was saying earlier, would you rather have, you know, better skin if you could get it? And I think most men would say, yeah, and you can do it pretty easily. And Akil touched on this, you know, there are products out there and this, this idea of, you know, skincare being really hard and really complicated, which is making people think there's so many choices out there. I'm just not going to do any of it at all out of the worry they're going to make the wrong choice and what we've tried to do is strip away a lot of the gimmicks and a lot of the you know fancy marketing and sales and said look ultimately your face and your skin is made up of cells and each cell is a living thing so if you look after the cells 
you know, if you have healthy cells, you will get healthy skin. And that's been our focus. And we're trying to help spread that message, you know, with not just our customers, but all of our followers on social media. So they better understand what is healthy skincare. And, you know, one of the things which was really alarming to me was, you know, when you get to 25, that's when the aging process really begins. And it's pretty unreversible. So careful, Raheem. Careful. Sorry, I'm careful. Akil has just, I mean, you've passed the 25 mark, right? So, I mean, Akil has probably more of a vested interest. I'm yet to approach it. But this is one of those things, the fine lines that you get from squinting or from smiling and from laughing. When you're young, they, 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 they disappear, right? Your skin recovers. 25 and onwards, they begin to remain. They begin to become permanent. So actually, introducing skincare at this stage will really serve you well in the long run. And we're just trying to get men to understand that, you know, it's one of these things. And it's, and as Aki was going to mention, I'm sure it's, it's not about vanity. It's about this idea of, you know, who's the person you want to be. And it's something that we offer going to help you in part in becoming that person. Um, I mean, Aki, what, Aki, I don't know if you want to add to that. Yeah, I think the only thing I'd add is uh, as a modern man, often we are stuck between a rock and a hard place if we take care of our skin, then there's, you know, a certain uh, stigma attached to that. And if we don't take care of our skin, then, you know, there's ridicule for that. And, and in an online, fundamentally, you know, in a digital world that we're all living in, whether it's Instagram, uh, TikTok, whatever uh, social media platform you're using, unfortunately, people are cruel. And what we want to do is help men and people generally just a educate themselves in terms of what their skin actually needs. And that's where Raheem's background is, is incredibly brilliant because it, everything that comes from raw, whether it's on our social media or on our website is actually backed by science and, and it's backed by Raheem's, um, you know, fundamentally Raheem's education and his knowledge. And so what we want to do is help educate everybody in terms of a, what your skin actually needs, but B more importantly, as hard as it is, you shouldn't, be defined or shouldn't let people define who you are it's more a case of actually being comfortable in your own skin um and that's the the message that we try to to bring to as Raheem said our customers but also to our social media followers mm, and I think that's really important to to reference is that it's not only the the scientific side of skincare which I think a lot of brands have started talking about more recently I suppose without getting too political in the age of fake news and all that sort of stuff I think everyone is trying to go towards more scientifically credible things like skincare and stuff like that and wanting to know what ingredients are in things as we all kind of pursue that more holistic lifestyle for want of a better word but also it goes back to, to what you've both said there about that that mental health aspect, about that looking after yourself and and giving yourself the the equipment almost to help you deal with with everyday life. Because I mean, as somebody personally who's who's struggled with with acne for the last few years, I know that my skin hugely impacts my confidence. And through kind of looking into skincare and all that sort of stuff, it can seem so intimidating, which is I suppose why what you've both done with kind of your your three-step regime is is so interesting from a female perspective as well just looking at because obviously the female skincare market is so saturated but to to dip into that that mental health point in a little bit more detail and bring it back to the the graduate element of this podcast obviously at the beginning of your career you're you're blighted with a lot of kind of imposter syndrome and that nagging lack of self-confidence when you come to to going giving client presentations or stepping up in front of meetings or I suppose pre-lockdown going into meetings in real life and that sort of thing and as women we have almost like an armor in that we can put makeup on and we can conceal it and we can go into it thinking that we've got almost this second skin on but as men obviously with the with the joys of toxic masculinity you haven't necessarily got that was that something that also played into it and wanting to kind of give yourselves that extra bit of confidence in the workplace as well i think absolutely um you know unfortunately it's not it's not just toxic masculinity there's there's so much pressure at university again going back to what i was saying you know we kind of have we, we grow up thinking we have to have certain jobs we have to have certain lifestyles. And if we don't, then ultimately we fail. And, and taking on that additional stress and, you know, potentially leading to, to other issues, um, fundamentally, it's just bad for your for your health in general. And that has a knock-on impact 
obviously in terms of your skin. And I think one of the biggest things for us generally is, and, and if there's any grads or you know current grads or people who've just graduated who, who are listening, then for me, I think the biggest thing is don't, as easy as it probably sounds for me saying it, from my experience, putting that much pressure on yourself uh, is not healthy and it's not going to do you any good. And that's why from a, you know, a brand perspective, we, I think, have taken all of our experience as graduates and, and as people relatively early on in our careers um, to just really get comfortable with who we are. Um, and that's the message that we want to portray to everybody, which is, you know, you, you can only be the best version of yourself. Um, and that person, whoever it is, is fundamentally always going to be good enough. Uh, and you shouldn't ever chase someone else's dream or do something just because you know, you've grown up being told that's the right thing to do or that's the right career to have or that's the right way to look. Um, we're all unique and we're all individuals and fundamentally that's what makes every single one of us interesting in our own way. And uh, I think it'd just be a shame if that message got lost. I completely agree. And I think that is something that's definitely worth worth remembering for any graduates listening. Um, and there's also playing into that skincare message as well that you've both been talking about. And so when it comes to balancing um, Ra alongside both of your jobs, how have you found that, especially that you launched this brand kind of early last year, if I'm right in, in saying, and we went into lockdown and it's been a completely mad time for everybody. So let alone to be managing one job, but to be managing a second one in, in an industry that is a little bit more fragile at the moment. How have you found the process of juggling two things, especially during a pandemic? I mean, it's, I think it would be, you know, I think I'd be lying to say it's been easy. Um, obviously at the start of this journey, you're kind of fueled by excitement and the potential and you go at a hundred miles per hour straight away off the, off the blocks. And then you start to realize, oh, hang on a second, there's this form to fill out and we have to comply with this regulation. And you start to you know, there are times when you think, oh, I wish I never started this. But it comes back to what Akil said in that, you know, we, we have a purpose that we're really trying to fulfill in that, you know, we want to help this one million men face the day. And it's, you know, that's that's our motivator in that, you know, we go up against that, you know, every day we're thinking, right, what are we going to do to make sure we reach out to another man or make sure our message is spread a little bit wider? Um, you know, balancing work life and, and a side gig is always going to be tough. Um, because you sometimes have to make decisions, right? You know, can you agree to do certain hours for work versus, you know, for example, what we're doing tonight with this podcast, you know, there was a six o'clock meeting at work and I had to say, look, I've got other plans. And I think what you'll find is actually most employers when you come out of university are are, res are respectful of that. Um, what, what you really have to end up sacrificing is actually sort of Netflix and, you know, some of the small luxuries, if you like. I remember, you know, before starting Ra. I was I was up to date with most series on Netflix. Somebody asked me, you know, have you seen Breaking Bad? Have you seen Prison Break? I'm like, yeah, seen it. Now I have no idea, you know, what's trending, what's not. So you give up, you know, those kind of things. But I think if you're doing, you know, as as we say, you know, if you're doing something that you believe in passionately, you really want it to succeed. You you don't mind putting putting the time in. Um, but there is definitely a trade off. It's just a case of balancing what it is that you do trade off. Um, and in, in some ways, actually, it's, it's a nice escape from from the nine to five. I mean, you know, if, if Akil and I were to do a, a side hustle in, in finance, for example, I think we'd probably be having a very different conversation because actually it would be kind of, you know, doubling up on the stress, doubling up on all of the, you know, immersing ourselves in that industry. But because we're doing something which is so, so distant, so remote from finance, it, it splits it off quite nicely. There are some really interesting points there, Raheem. And, and, and I'm, we're also very, very honoured that you said no to something to come here. Thank you so much. And um, I think what was really interesting there was when you said um, about a trade-off. And I think a lot of people think that if they have something new that emerges in their life and they're working on something new, then they've got to completely say no to something else, which is important. But I think... This is why mindfulness is picking up in trends and and journaling and stuff is because you don't actually often 
realize and take note of the kind of stuff you're doing every day. Like for example, I will have my lunch break and I'll get sucked into the US office or something. And then like an hour and a half goes by and I'm like, well, Sophie really didn't need to do that. So that's a really interesting point. And I think just to draw everything together, you guys have provided um, not the end of the podcast, don't worry, just 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 to this point. Um, you guys have brought together like so many like golden threads about the business and stuff. And just in like a general um or general view of beginning a business, and to any graduates or young people that are hoping to start a business, could you kind of structure your thoughts or your advice into like three key points of like where to start? Like what do you have to do right from the very beginning to set you off on the on a right foot? I think the, the most important one, and I think it's one that Raheem and I are very appreciative of is find if you're going to go into do something new um, do it with someone you trust, you know, has your back. Uh, and I think, to round this first point off, it's someone who gives a really complimentary skill set. Um, and Raheem mentioned it at the start, and we have two two very different sets of, of strengths, uh, which when you combine them together, work really well. Um, I think the second thing for me is, particularly during a lockdown, it's really important to have something that you're genuinely passionate about and that you, you fully believe in. Um, and that's why, for me, even though Raheem and I have to put in, you know, a lot of hours on a weekend or on weeknights when we're not working late. It doesn't feel like a job. It, it's something we love doing. And I think the biggest thing for us is it, it, we are creating solutions to problems that we face. So, you know, the products we create and uh, the work that we're doing is all done because of either experiences that we've had or, you know, obstacles or challenges that we face, whether it's with skincare or or our own mental health. Um, and I think the final thing that I would say is always go in fully eyes open. Um, I think way too often we get very excited about certain ideas or, or the prospect of, of doing something and we don't necessarily think about everything that's needed. So I think my final final tidbit would be don't rush into it. Make sure that you're fully aware of everything that you're going into. You're fully aware of the time commitment and you're fully aware of simple things that we often overlook, like what the costs are going to be initially. You know, can you afford to take the risk in, in you know, at this point in your life? Or actually, are you better off waiting a year, saving some money up and making sure that if, God forbid, something like COVID ever happens again, you know, starting a business isn't going to be to your financial detriment uh, and it's not going to be to your detriment from a mental health perspective. Everything Akil said is absolutely correct, you know. Um, for me, it's the first thing is understand why you're doing it, you know. So, you know, are you starting the business because you want to make a living off of it or are you starting it for something more than that? You know, because business can be obviously a great way to generate income, but also it's a great way to leave a legacy, you know, to make, to have an impact, to, to influence others. So understand why you're starting your business is the first thing. Um, I think the second thing is, scope out how how feasible it is and it touches into what akil was saying around sort of the budget but also you know know who your customer is you know ideally create a product or a brand or, or a service that you would be your own customer for because then it makes it a lot easier and i think you know my third point is akil's first point right make sure you you have the right support around you because starting a business you always underestimate how hard it's going to be nearly I'd say you know nine out of ten times people always underestimate how hard it's going to be and I think finding somebody who's a got you know skills that complement yours but also someone you can be you know radically honest with and know that you're not going to fall out if you disagree in fact some somebody who you especially you can disagree with and not fall out you know that I think is a massive key when, when starting a business so you know if you can get those three ingredients you'll be on to a winner I think We've actually in the past had a lot of people ask for, you know, if I want to start a business, like, where do I start? Like, where do I begin? Because it seems like such an unattainable thing when it's when it's not on paper and you haven't actually spoken and got out there. So I yeah, really appreciate that. And I think just thinking about Ra in particular for you guys, like obviously success um, in inverted commas is a little bit of an odd one because you don't want to 
over define what you deem as success but if you guys were to think like further into the future what does success look like for you like in regards to raw and the business yeah so I think you know success for me would really be about you know hitting that that one million men target you know helping one million men face the day um that for me is really what what drives us you know when we set out our milestones and we set our targets you know this comes back to my point around you know when you set set up the business know your why you know profit and revenue comes come second to that we really want to make sure we want to spread the message out and become almost a household name it's about you know becoming becoming significant in people's lives to say actually you know I, i want to look after my skin what what are my options and realizing, you know, well, I can buy, you know, something off the shelf from Boots or I can get this or actually I can get raw. And I know that raw is really good because, you know, they only put honest vegan natural ingredients in the products. You know, they're here for our good. It's not a case of they're just trying to make money off of us. Um, so that would be success for me, you know, having a brand that people trust, that people respect, um, but also having that having enough exposure such that people know to come to us and they, they feel that they can come to us regardless of, of who they may be. I, th- I think the only thing I'd add to that, uh, from a long-term perspective, I'm, you know, Raheem's got it spot on. I think the funny thing that, I don't know if you agree with this, Raheem, but the funny thing for me is our definition of success keeps changing um, because our growth has been, you know, pretty great so far. And we managed to get ourselves in GQ after, I think, only our second or th- maybe, you know, our third month of actively selling. Uh, the product and actively being online. So the definition of success will continually change. And and I think that's one of the most exciting things is we keep thinking in kind of three, six month periods. And, uh, you know, we have a a weekly catch up on a Sunday. And actually, now we're starting to think, actually, what does success look like for us in a year? And beyond that, what are the steps that we can then take? So that journey and, and trying to map out what that journey looks like is constantly evolving so you know the definition of success from one week to the next is actually uh in in a constant state of flux Mm, and and both of those those definitions of success for you guys are both incredibly interesting and i suppose they both center around that idea of trust looking at things from more of a long-term perspective enables you to generate the, the trust of your customers by positioning yourselves in that way and also by making sure that everything that you do goes back to having a product that people can look at and think okay i believe in this brand is incredibly important and i think something else that i wanted to to speak to you both about on to divert the topic ever so slightly is the fact that you both work in finance and finance for graduates, especially graduates at the moment who have entered into such a a ridiculously manic and fraught and uncertain workplace and financial environment is where you begin with your finances at the beginning of your career. Obviously, Akhil, you're in in investment and Raheem, you've done a lot of stuff with St. James's Place and looking at early finances and that sort of thing. If somebody came to you kind of fresh out of uni or a couple months or a couple of years into their first job and said, I'm really looking into investing and understanding my finances more and I want to be more financially literate, what starting point advice would you give to them? Where would you say is the best place to begin when you're considering investing and considering being more financially savvy? I mean, that that is probably, you know the hardest question um, any young person could come to me with because it's so personal. And, you know, I remember being a student and I remember, you know, treating money like, like water. What I would say is, you know, when you've come out of university and you're going to get a first job, it's a completely fresh start. So, you know, try and unlearn the habits of your past. And it comes down to that really simple, you know, know how much you earn a month after tax and after an I. And that sounds, you know, really simple, but you'd be surprised if you ask most people, they they actually won't know their exact earning every month. And then once you've got that, know how much you spend. And if you're spending more than you're earning, then, you know, that that's probably not a great place to be in. So try and get that spending to be less than your earning. And if you can get that spending low enough compared to your earning, then you've got a bit spare. It's worth looking at then, you know, investment options that are appropriate to you, depending on what your goals are. But it's, you know, there's a great quote, right? They say, you know, if you're investing without a goal, it's like getting on a plane without a final destination. 
you're just going to go around in circles. So if you do invest, make sure you know what it is you're investing for, whether it's a house deposit, whether it's your retirement, or whether it's something far shorter term, such as a car. Um, you know, it, it all comes back down to this, you know, know what you earn, know what you spend, and then invest with with a goal in mind. That would, that for me would be like a good, you know, first starting point. I mean, Raheem knows this is probably one of my favorite topics to speak about, just because, as he said, we've, we've all been through it. Um, and I actually think, if I can disagree with you just this once, Raheem, uh, I actually think setting your objectives and goals initially is, is, is probably the most important thing because then you know what you're saving for, you know how much you need to save, how much you need to put away. Um, and if you're not comfortable with investing, then there are plenty of options out there that you, know, you don't have to make those decisions. Um, so you can invest in what are called passive funds and you can do that through, you know, with your, with your bank, um, you know, so I can do it through Santander, for example, or you can do it through companies like Vanguard, Hargreaves Lansdowne, AJ Bell. So there's lots of options out there. But I think, as Raheem said, if you, you get on a plane without knowing your final destination, that's when things can often go wrong. So if I use my example, for me, I've got, um, you know, a, an individual savings account, a stocks and shares individual savings account, a lifetime individual savings account. Um, and they help to buy ISA as well. So I basically am trying to maximize my £20,000 uh, allowance to the best of my ability that I have every year and saving money by investing it. Um, and I feel comfortable doing that because I've had a couple of years of experience, but that's the great thing about your bank or, as I said, a Vanguard or a Hargreaves Lansdowne is there are people that you can speak to. Um, and often the worst thing you can do is jump in without actually having any knowledge. And I think that's what a lot of people have done. Uh, and I'm not just talking about graduates. I know a number of people in my family have, um, you know, invested because they thought, oh, it's a good way to make money. Um, and often when you do it and you don't know what you're doing, you know, you end up backing individual stocks or uh, individual companies that unfortunately uh, take a long time, you know, to recover losses from. So look, I think to summarize, the, the most important things for me from a graduate perspective, when you have your first job, are I think there's, there's three things. One, define what your objectives are. So for me, it's, you know, in the next few years, it's uh, save enough money for a, a decent deposit on a house uh, in London. Two, invest in your pension as much as you can, as early as you can. I, I don't think we get that advice enough. And all of your, you know, as an employer, you now, um, have an obligation, I think I'm right in saying, Raheem, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think all employers have an obligation to invest um, or contribute, sorry, to their employees' pensions. And the more you can put away now, the more comfortable you're going to be later in life. And the reason I say that, and it probably sounds boring, and I'm probably showing my age a little bit, but when you get, you know, when we get to 60, 70 years old, chances are most of us are going to live at least another 20 years, if not more. And the worst thing that we can do is end up at the age of 70, 75 and realize that actually we don't have enough to keep ourselves going. And I think the final thing from my point of view is there are so many options out there um, in terms of being able to invest your money in a tax efficient way. So really do some research and really try and understand this, you know, whether it's um, Martin Lewis, I think is the, the this is money chap. Um, or, you know, speaking to people. So, you know, Sophie, I know you've, you've got a link uh, to, to an advisor at SJP. Ask questions. It's one of the best things that I think I've done. And I know Raheem and I have plenty of conversations where we learn from each other because we ask each other questions. And the more knowledge you can have before you think about investing, spending, uh, saving, the better you're going to be set up. Um, and I really can't stress enough how important it is and, and i think you know the pandemic's really driven home how important it is to have a handle on on your finances um and and i guess as a final point if anyone wants to reach out to us and, and ask what we do in particular um raheem sorry if i'm speaking for you but i'm more than happy for someone to reach out to me and ask any questions that they have about anything to do with saving investing and most importantly why you should start putting money away into your pension as soon as you can yeah, and, and same same goes for me, actually. I think, as you rightly said, if anyone wants to reach out, because, you know, 
finance is such a personal topic and you know everyone's circumstances are different and you know it's all about your position where you are where you want to be and I think Akil made a fantastic point there people invest because they think it's an easy way to make money um, investing is actually a way to help you achieve your goals and not just financial goals your, your life goals um, so yeah as Akil said you know the invitation's open to anybody who wants to get in touch to ask us about anything to do with that you know saving investing finance etc guys really i was literally as you were talking i was scribbling away um i really appreciate that and i know for a fact that our listeners will as well because um obviously you've had experience you could talk about it so articulately but i think what to a lot of young people finances seem so taboo and i think this might this might sound a little bit of a broad question and forgive me if you need some time to think about it but like just a little anecdote like I've recently become self-employed and I was like I have no idea how VAT works I have no idea how pension schemes work I have no idea at all and like you said Akil like you just need to reach out and talk to someone and I managed to get myself an accountant um at like a um, minimum amount of money that just said that she'll help me out every year. And that doesn't make me feel like I'm 50. It just makes me feel like I, you know, I'm on the pulse and I'm actually doing what I need to do. And I think leading on from that is a lot of young people don't talk about finances because it's taboo. And there is also kind of a YOLO, like you you only live once, you're young, like spend the money, do what you want to do. And then you can focus on finances and saving and all that quote unquote boring stuff later further down the line. And have you guys got like any like tips on how you can find that sweet spot behind like being good with your money and saving and putting it where it needs to be to be future proof and just living in the moment and spending and doing what you want to do biggest biggest point is you've just got to be disciplined uh, to, to to go back to your point sophie about you know the, the yellow approach and you can start saving later on in life i mean it, it just means that things that everybody else is doing like buying a house like uh, I don't know, going on holidays, uh, you know, whatever your objectives are, if you don't set them and you don't start saving early enough, it's, I can't stress how far behind the the, the curve you're going to be. Um, and it's a wonderful thing called compound interest. And I'll let Raheem talk about that because uh, he's he does a much better job of explaining it than I do. But just from a simple financial perspective, all you have to think about is if you don't start saving until later, particularly from, you know, point of view of your pension, You've just got to add so much more at a later date in order to sustain the lifestyle that you're probably going to get used to. Um, so I think that's that's probably the, the biggest thing. The second thing I would say, again, in response to something that you brought up, Sophie, is I think a lot of us are scared to admit that we don't know enough about our finances. Um, you know, so we all know that we have a current account. Do, do, do people know about credit cards do, do you you know do we really fundamentally understand how they work um do we invest yeah, sorry do we understand how investment products work i think we're just afraid to show that vulnerability and, and admit that we actually don't know what we're doing and therefore we a lot of us just jump into doing things because everyone else is so i think you know from from my point of view it, it's it's it probably sounds really boring but having a plan and having goals just makes it that much easier and i think if you are someone that struggles look i i use direct debits because for, for me it means that i don't even notice that the money's come out it goes into my ices and my pension i just invest a certain amount every month and that comes out before i get my monthly pay so there are things that you can do if you know you struggle from a disciplined perspective like i did when i was a little younger uh that just make it really nice and really simple and it just means that you know, once you decide, actually, I'm going to put X into my pension and I'm going to put X into my ISA or my savings account every month. If you're really disciplined about it, brilliant. If you're not, having that direct debit option just means that you don't have to think about it. You don't have to worry about it. But in the back of your mind, you've got that peace of mind that everything's coming together nicely and whatever your objective is and whatever that time frame for your objective is, it's not something that you have to worry about. And, you know, with everything else that's going on, I think having that that security and that peace of mind uh, you'll find gives you 
a whole new lease of life. Yeah, I... I mean, as as Sophie said, I've been frantically making notes throughout what both of you were saying because I am possibly the least financially literate person I know. I'm useless when it comes to money. I find it so intimidating and I just bury my head in the sand and, and hope for the best. So hearing that sort of stuff and hearing it put in such a concise and understandable way was is not only beneficial for I imagine both Sophie and I but also for everyone who's listening because it's so important to have these conversations and money is such a taboo topic but actually it can be so simple and so unintimidating if you really try and get your head around it and speak to people and and seek out that information so I think it's so valuable. If I can add as well um, I know Sophie made the point around this this YOLO approach to investing and saying, you know what, why should I invest? Um, and I think, you know, look, it's, it's a valid question to have. Um, but if I can quickly, very, very quickly explain the, the two main reasons why you should invest, if there's no other reason. The first one is inflation. Um, so I'm sure you will notice that every year things get a little bit more expensive, right? And if you don't invest money that you have in the bank, it's basically costing you to have it sat there. So if you're holding loads of cash in a regular bank account, you can basically over a 10 year period pay the bank 20% of that money because you know prices go up by that 2% every year, but your money does not increase in value by that 2% every year. So if today you're gonna buy a bag for let's say 100 pounds, in about 10 years time, the same bag would cost you about 130 quid, but the 100 pounds you had in the bank account would be worth the equivalent of about 70. So that's the first reason that you know you should really think about investing. The second reason, I think this is about finding your motivations for investing, but I, I heard a, a story, and if I'm okay to share it, but in, in the 1930s, there was, a, there was a UPS delivery driver called Theo Johnson, and he, over, he only ever earned $15,000 a year. That was his salary, but he made a pledge to himself to tax himself 20% of his salary every year, and this tax that he put on himself, he basically invested into UPS stock. And his thinking was that UPS stock would increase in value over time. So he did this consistently throughout his whole career and he, and he lived to 91. But if I was to ask you, you know, so he invested $3,000 a year, every year of his life in UPS stock. How much do you think he had at the end of his life? You know, when he got, when he got to 90, if you were to hazard a guess, it's not, it's not a trick question or a maths question. Oh it's gosh, just... It feels like GCSE maths in my brain. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I mean, right, can I go and get my scientific calculator? Yeah, go on, Akil, please. <laughs> but I mean, jokes aside, I mean, you know, how much do you think, considering you only earned fifteen thousand dollars a year? I reckon. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, oh, I don't. I don't want to sound ignorant. Um, I forty forty k. Yeah, I mean, I think to be fair, I mean, that's not an unreasonable guess because, you know, everyone tells us that investments can go up and down. Everyone tells us they're risky, right? Um, but I hope you're both sitting down for this. But at the end of his long career of consistently investing, his net worth was $70 million. Bloody hell. And <laughs> what? That, that for me was kind of this penny drop and also jaw dropping moment. I was like, hang on a minute. This compound interest stuff is serious. Because what happens is every year you're investing, your money is snowballing. So the longer you invest for, the more you've got to play with, right? So, you know, if I was to say 10% of a hundred pounds, that's like 10 pounds. But if I was to say 10% of a hundred thousand pounds, it's significantly more. Um, and that's the effect of investing over a long period of time because the amount that you're moving increases so that I think is one of these things that I think, you know, once I heard that anecdote and I checked it just to make sure, because I thought, no, this has got to be fake news, right? Era fake news and all of that. Um, when I checked it and I saw it was real, I was kind of like, this, this is a serious thing and actually we should do it. And it doesn't have to be hard, like Akil said, you know, set up your direct debits, get money going out that you don't even notice. And you'll, you'll find a way to learn to live off of the other amount. Obviously cover your bills, right? Pay your rent pay for food, etc. But then on the on the nice to haves, the luxuries, you know, include investing as one of your bills and just spend the remainder. And that I think is a pretty good way to get yourself in a very nice, very comfortable financial position. And it ties back into this point of actually, if you're in control of your finances, 
you're going to lift this massive weight of stress off of your shoulders as well, because that's one of the massive causes of stress in this country is, you know, financial instability. Wow. That is, is so interesting. And it's so interesting hearing it from both of you as well. And I think if I was to, my biggest takeaway is, is kind of like just tiny habits. It doesn't have to be anything drastic. It's just, you know, having that little investment or opening up that savings account that has a little bit of interest or um, using direct debit so you can control a, a little bit more. It's just the little things. It doesn't have to be this massive, like unattainable financial goal that you have to start as soon as you leave uni so I really appreciate you guys putting that together and we could literally sit here and soak up your whole Friday evening and exhaust you we're asking way too many questions but just to wrap up we ask the same question um, to everyone and that question is Raheem and Akil how are you going to continue to grad life by the horns? So for me, how am I going to continue to grab life by the horns? I think, you know, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to wake up each day, you know, like you mentioned, use journals, write lists, see if I'm ticking off my list every day, try not to focus too much on what we're living in right now. Look forward to tomorrow being potentially brighter, knowing that tomorrow will come. Um, and, you know, just keep keep connected, you know, with, with the keel, with, with my friends, with people at work and just checking in with people on, on a, you know, on a sincere level. You know, when somebody asks, how are you giving giving honest responses as to how I really am and ask them to, you know, how, how are they feeling? And that's what I'm going to carry on doing to, to grab life by the horns. I think for me, uh, yeah, it's just finding the positives in every day. Um, as Raheem said, yes, it's a bit of a weird time, but just yeah i think the the big message from my side is uh no one is alone and if anyone is alone then again feel free to reach out to us um we're more than happy to have conversations with with anybody about anything and in terms of continuing to grad life by the horns i just continue to enjoy what i do and enjoy who i do it with amazing thanks so much guys and head to Raw Skincare, guys we'll put all of the information in the show notes and on our social medias obviously <laughs> Thank, thank you so much for joining us guys thank you for having us hi everyone it's sophie here rounding up the episode it seems like such a long time ago that we recorded with raheem and akil even though it wasn't that long ago and I re-listened to this episode and I was gleaming afterwards. I don't even know if that word works in this context, but I don't care. It was such a lovely chat and we're just so thankful to this wonderful, wonderful pair, their contribution to the podcast and offering their insights to us and you as listeners. We really hope that you took so much away from that because we really did. I may even be reaching out to them for a bit of financial mentoring. I mean, they did offer, so I might take them up on that. <laughs> um, so Akil and Raheem, expect to hear from me. I mean, what didn't we cover in that episode? From key university takeaways to practical steps when starting a business and managing your money and future-proofing through investment – they truly did show us that taking that step, breaking some unhealthy habits and being disciplined doesn't mean we can't be young and free, quote unquote. In fact, it helps us do that more. The most brilliant thing in my eyes about this conversation was the breadth of topics we discussed and just how much passion and articulation they both have. A key learning for me was about the nuances and parallels that sit behind men's skincare and men's mental health. Their brand, Ra, which we mentioned so beautifully, has the vision to help one million men face the day. We highly recommend that you head to their website, ra-skincare.com, check out their naturally powerful and vegan products, stay up to date with their offers and discounts, and just support a business that is built on rebirth and in general, so much love and care, as you heard from both of them in the episode. A golden thread from this is knowing your why. Why do you want to start this business? 
Why do you want to invest and why do you want to save money? Knowing your purpose drives your passion, it gives you more discipline and it helps you sustain your well-being as well. What a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much, Akil and Raheem, for joining us and we hope you enjoyed. As Becky mentioned earlier, we are sad and yet joyous to be entering into our big summer blowout. Sorry, excuse the frozen um, reference there. (laughs) Our big summer blowout season and beginning to wind down the Grad Life by the Horns podcast. Without getting too much into it, as I'm sure we'll have our opportunities, you know that Becky and I love a good chat, we cannot thank our listeners and supporters enough and our guests for being so grand to us on this entire journey. One thing we can be sure of though is this last year has taught us all that life is unpredictable to say the least, constantly evolving and our mindset and health can sometimes be swept away with that. That's okay, that's normal, that's human. The important thing is looking out for each other, ourselves, and being proactive rather than reactive in that situation. We've got this, grads. All will be okay in the end. And that's the end of my TED Talk. (laughs) And that's the end of the episode. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode to enjoy with a wonderful guest to soak some knowledge from. In the meantime, please do share offer any feedback get in touch with the boys and follow us on instagram at gradlifebythehorns lots of love take care and we'll see you very soon